I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. We like to podcast. Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by Adam and Keelan. My name's Adam. My name's Keelan. Good afternoon. Thank you for being here. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I've been, I've been sleeping really well lately, having like really kind of weird, complex dreams. The upside to setting my alarm is that usually my alarm will interrupt a dream, right? And so if I don't set an alarm, then it's like, oh, I have a nicer, longer sleep. I wake up comfortably, but I forget my dreams. But if I set that alarm, then I wake up and I'm like, what? I'm dating a spider? What's going on? And, you know, I get to live through that a little bit. So, so that's cool. So that happened this morning. I like your system you got going on here. Your attire, the T-shirt, the hoodie, and then the morning fresh hair <laughs> with the headphones on. <laughs> yeah, the headphones are over top of the hoodie, which is like super cool, I think. <laughs> Do you want to give us a little something, something about your life? A little interesting tidbit? peek into the mind peer into the mind of adam <laughs> i'm trying to think of something that's not mm. <laughs> uh, just tweaking my website tweaking instagram coaching students nothing so interesting oh, actually something that was interesting i watched madagascar for the first time in 10 14 years something like that and uh, every, every character now is completely different to what I thought of them the first time I watched it, because yeah. now there's a lot more kind of adult humor or at least jokes that I fully understand now. And, uh, or at least not fully understand, but at least better than I did when I was 10 years old. Um, right. And yeah, it's super interesting. Really found the, I found it interesting how they portrayed Alex the lion, who was, uh, He's, he's a dancer and his dad is like a fighter lion. And I didn't think of this at the time, but I'm just wondering now if I related to Alex, because he went off, I mean, he didn't go off to ballet school, but maybe as I went off to ballet school as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old, I was thinking, maybe I'm the dancing type. Maybe I'm Alex the lion. <laughs> but I just thought it was quite cute. And now I have a little bit more perspective on the movie. <laughs> I'm also, I'm also trying to get my fiance interested in animated movies uh, because somehow she, she watched a lot when she was younger, but she has this idea that animations are for children or just like teenagers and younger. Yeah. And I'm like wow. completely opposite. I really think that That's anyone really can listen to animations. And if anything, they just get better as you get older. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure some people agree with me on that because <laughs> it's super popular. So yeah. I'm a huge, I'm going to say, I was going to say I'm a huge fan. I'm not like a huge fan. Like I'm not like, I don't have a tattoo of like anime on me. Um, <laughs> but I'm a, I agree. I'm a, are you more Disney or DreamWorks? <laughs> I guess Disney. Yeah. Like, so what are the big DreamWorks ones? Like Shrek? Shrek. Madagascar. Oh, how, to, how to Train Your Dragon. Tell you, How to Train Your Dragon 2 mm-hmm. had a moment that was so beautiful. I think I cried just because of the scale, not because it was sad, because I was moved. It was like, have you seen the How to Train Your Dragon series? I saw the first one, not the second one. 
Okay, okay, so then I won't spoil it. <laughs> really good, though. Like, it's really, really good. Um, yeah, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I'm... You know what I really liked? Mm-hmm. It was a surprise. Was I really liked Zootopia. Oh, my God. Zootopia? Amazing, yeah. So good. Such a good film. So one of my, uh, like, working theories around, like, film going, and maybe even other things in life that this could apply to, but certainly with films, is the more hype I have about a movie going into it, the more likely I am to be disappointed. And the less hype I have, the more likely I am to be kind of uh, blown away, right? So when I went and saw Iron Man 2, I was so excited about it that I didn't like it because I was so hyped that I was like, oh, this is a movie. Like I was so excited that I couldn't separate myself from my excitement. That the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I'm watching a movie right now. When I saw Zootopia, I think it was like Mother's Day or something. And I went just as I was like, oh, let's go with my mom and my girlfriend at the time. We went and saw it. And I didn't even know what it was. And I was like, because I had no expectations, it all hit me like so raw. And I was like so into it and like going on this journey in this awesome fake city. Like, yeah. And so, so now I try to go see films that I'm not even really aware of what they are just to be like open to it, you know? I hate to disagree with you on like literally everything, but I feel like I'm very much the opposite. So if I have huge expectations for a movie, I like kind of, my dopamine's already high. So a joke that might not be that funny, it could be like very average. I'll just like burst out laughing, just like in the movie theater, even if no one else is laughing. And then it makes other people think like, oh, you know, social proof. They think, fuck, maybe that was a funny joke. And then the next time there's a joke and then there's me again, (laughs) bursting out laughing. Then they're more likely to do a little giggle. It's like, (laughs) and then I I get the, I get the crowd going, you know? (laughs) Right. You're a good hype man. If I think the movie's going to be crap and, uh, I don't know if I should say crap. What am I saying? We swear, we swear like all the time on this. <laughs> um, if I think the movie's going to be bad, I will go in there with a mindset that this movie sucks. And if there's a funny joke, I'll be like fighting myself. Like it'll be my pride trying to push down the humor that I'm feeling from the jokes. So I'll just like, I'll suppress the laughing because I've already already got this preconception that the, the film's that, you know what I mean? So like the complete opposite to you. And um, I, I really like how open you are though. <laughs> and I wish I could be more like that, but I just struggle. <laughs> I pretty much just go to the reviews whenever I want to see a film. If the reviews are really good, then I watch it and then I, I pray it's good. And I actively try to make it feel good in my head by, you know, as, as I was talking about before. Um, but then if it's bad, it's really hard for me to be like, oh, this is actually a good film. Unless it's one of those, you know, those really old, stupid, funny films that are, they're like six, 60% or Rotten Tomato, but then somehow the jokes just click really well. You know, lots of Jack Black films and uh, some Ben Stiller. 60% is like not bad. Is it? 60% is still fresh. Oh yeah? <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch anything below like 75%. I stopped going to Rotten Tomatoes just because it it clouded my expectations. And I'd rather just like, I've seen a lot of movies that have really low Rotten Tomato scores and I've loved them. And I walk out and I go, first off, I disagree. Second off, my faith in humanity is challenged because, you know, if, if, if all of these people think this sucks, but I think it's great. 
then what kind of a world do I live in? And how do I fit in here? You have to make that so deep. You're like, oh, how can I trust humanity now? Because the rotten tomato. <laughs> it's, an, it's another reminder of, oh, I feel like I'm on the outside. And so, you know, it happens a lot. And then, I, and then I, I see, you know, it's like Star Trek versus Star Wars. Star Wars makes over a billion dollars a movie. They're fine. Star Trek doesn't make enough to have a sequel. And they're so good. Not enough people see the Star Trek movies, but they're so good. Really? And then I introduce them to my friends or, you know, whomever, girlfriend, yeah. family, whatever. And they're yeah. like, this is amazing. This is so good. Really? I haven't seen anything from Star Trek. Like not even a single episode, nothing. Okay, so this is what you should do, okay? Next time you're going to sit down and watch a movie and you've got the time to like, you know, watch a whole film. I don't know if they're on Netflix. I think they are. They certainly, they certainly are in Canada. Check out the Star Trek reboot 2009. It is so good. It's probably, if I had to pick a favorite film, I would pick that. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's get down to business. What are we talking about today? Oh, well, this one was, this one was yours. Am I, do I decide? Yeah. Okay. So I think we can talk about... Uh, some pre-show rituals or superstitions, things that we would do every time before a show or superstitions we had, just, you know, mm. things we would do before a performance, things that happened before performances, stuff like that. It's very good. It's a very good one. I've, uh, I've had like a million different rituals and different things to do because every time I would read a new self-help book, I would change my whole like worldview, basically. So I've gone through everything, I think. I mean, so that's a that's a lot to say, but I've I've been through lots of different pre-show rituals. So maybe you start with your probably more grounded ones, and then I'll just go all over the place with my spaghetti rituals. Spaghetti rituals? How Italian? Um, so I eat the spaghetti before the show. Okay, so one thing that I've done for a long time is. I always put a ton of rosin inside my shoe. That's a must. When I was in, I think, 10th grade, I did a solo in a show. At that point, I wasn't at the National Ballet School, right? I was living in Victoria, BC. We had a province-wide competition, and you had to compete in your kind of like local area first to get a ticket, basically, to go there. It was a Little Drummer Boy solo from the ballet graduation ball. And I'm going to be honest, I couldn't do a double tour yet, but I'm going to be honest. Basically, that whole solo is just double tours. So I did a whole lot of single tours in that thing. Single tours are so hard. <laughs> They're really hard. And the solo sucks. No, sorry. The solo is great. But the solos, it's really hard to do it. And it's, it sucks to do it because you've got this drum hanging off of your waist, like on a belt. And so every time you jump, the drum is flopping. And you have these... Uh, drumsticks because you're supposed to be playing drums you have these drumsticks that you're meant to be twirling the whole time in your hands so each hand has this why did you pick this i didn't my teacher <laughs> told me to do it why did she tell me to do a solo with double tours when i couldn't do a double tour i don't know exactly <laughs> it was really hard uh and so you have to have these drumsticks in each hand and the drum and i couldn't do a tour so i'm doing the solo and i already feel unprepared I didn't have a male teacher at the time. I didn't have somebody who was helping me learn how to do a double tour. So it was basically just, hey, figure it out. 
during the show, my shoe, my ballet shoe came off my heel fully, like was kicked off my heel, was hanging up by, by my foot. And so I just, you know, you can't have that. And so I just kicked it off stage. And into, into the wing or into the audience? <laughs> into the wing, yeah. Into the wing, thankfully. Uh, so I was dancing it poorly, as far as I could tell. I technically wasn't doing the choreography because I was just doing singles. I wasn't doing them very well. This floppy drum and awkward drumsticks were making things really weird. And my shoe fell off. Did you twirl them? I did twirl them, but, but they were on like, they were st- attached to my fingers. I wasn't actually twirling them. They were just spinning. <laughs> I was thinking that's super impressive, twirling drumsticks with a half off ballet shoe. I wish, because I wish there was something impressive about this story, but there isn't. So this all happened. It was as embarrassed as I could possibly be at that point. It was a 10 out of 10 embarrassment. And what I learned from that was one, learn how to do a double tour. And to this day, I can. So thank you very much. Uh, and two, uh, maybe don't do uh, variations with, tu- with, with drums uh, hanging off of your uh, belt when you can. And to this day, I haven't done one. So good for me. But mostly the big takeaway was you rosin the heck out of your feet inside the shoe. And so I will like maniacally, uh, actually this, I'm just realizing like how much of a neurosis this has created because you're not going to know this, like realize this, but if you ever watch me in rehearsal, especially I'm constantly pulling up the heels of my shoes. Like every time I stop, before I do anything, every time I stop doing something, I pull up the heels on my shoes because that feeling of the, the heel creeping down is just so kind of repugnant now, so traumatizing. And so I really, you know, I'm getting ready for the show. And then at five minute call, I go into where the rosin is backstage and I just like crunch full nuggets of rosin into the back kind of upper rim of my shoe. I dump my feet in there. I get it like all over everywhere so that like, it's like glued, you know, basically the shoe is basically glued onto my heel. So that is kind of ritual number one. I wouldn't dare go on stage without like a heavy dose of rosin. I would eat it if I thought that it would help. Uh, That must've must've been some traumatizing, uh, it's a traumatizing show. <laughs> Telling you, man. Yeah. And the thing is too, wait, so I was at school. I was like away from the ballet school, right? The next year I come back to the ballet school, but nobody knows about that moment, right? But it turns out there was a kid who was also competing. This guy, Toby, he was there. And we're sitting at the, a table all having food one day, like, like the next year. And he's like, hey, man, remember that time that your shoe came off in a show? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> And I didn't realize he was there. He was competing as well. So he saw the whole thing. And I had to relive this nightmare with all these people. Did you have to explain your story again to them? I did, yeah. And at that point, I could barely do a double tour, but I could. So I was able to kind of like... Yeah. You could say back in the day when I could only do a single. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he managed to pull off the double tour with the drum kit on him. No, no, no. He was doing something else. He had a, he had a horrible one, actually. He was worse than me. <laughs> He did some like newspaper boy solo where he had to throw the newspapers into the wings, but he missed like every time or something. We just like hit the wall and fall down. Oh no. It was 
it was a, a it was a rough day for both of us. Mm-hmm. Props are such a nightmare sometimes on stage. Yeah, but for real, that rosin inside the shoes thing. I think maybe it's like just like the shape of my heel or something like that that it's like slides down. But for anybody else out there, if your shoes are falling off, rosin that thing up. Uh, speaking of props, I just remembered. Uh, I think it was in the third year. Uh, Royal Ballet School when a few of the guys I think it was five or six people went to work with BRB for the Nutcracker and I remember during the party scene a magician comes in he does all the magic tricks and basically there, there are just certain areas of the stage that you can't be in because otherwise you might get hit by just a random prop okay you know a random thing happening so there's one trick where this I think it's a rat or it could be like a handkerchief and he has to like he makes it disappear, but he doesn't really make it disappear. He he plays with it a little bit. He flails it around and then it, it gets pulled from a string off stage, like really quickly, like within half a second. And there's a certain area of the stage that you can't stand in. Otherwise you might get hit in the face by a handkerchief. And so you can guess what happened. I was just, you know, chill, just enjoying my party scene, talking to my partner a bit too close to the area that you shouldn't be in. And then it must have been quite impressive for the audience, but the, uh, the handkerchief quickly, I don't know what color it was, but it was like a very obvious color, not, not like a black or something. It was like a, an orange or something. It went quickly uh, into the wing, but before it went into the wing, it slapped me in the face and then it went into the wing. <laughs> so it must have been quite the trick. <laughs> Because I was just completely bewildered, (laughs) like on stage, just like, what is happening? How did I get hit in the face? And then one of the older company members came up to me and they were like, that's why you have to pay attention. (laughs) Classic company member talking to a student, just like not being very nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's why you don't listen. Yeah. (laughs) Kids these days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's usually one of the older company members because... I don't know. Because they're just angry. Uh, they, they, yeah, I don't know. The, the younger ones usually have something to pay attention to, but the older ones and are just like, ah, I guess I just the, rip the on younger kids. ones. <laughs> they can remember what it was like to be you enough that they still have some sympathy, but the older ones have like just stifled their inner child. They're just, all right, get out of here. I'm 36. <laughs> I'm like 100 in ballet years. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, that experience. And uh, I wish I had a, you know, it'd be great if there was a photo, like a high frame rate, just like if there was a photo of you slapped in the face with an orange handkerchief right there. I mean, my face was probably pretty chill. Like I know you, you just had an expression like I would have reacted, but I was probably so chill before. Like I didn't even react before it hit me in the face. The reaction was all after it hit me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you still had like the biggest smile. And then as you were getting hit in the face, it was yeah, still Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And then like two seconds later, I started uh, <laughs> getting confused. Crying. Yeah. You had a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> What's my name? Where am I? Other than, other than the rosin, yeah. sorry. Other than the rosin, is there anything else that you need to say before I go into mine? Well, I got, I got other stuff, but I can, I, can, I can offer the floor to you. All right, all right. I'll go into like a few, a few of mine. I want to say I did each of these for like two weeks because that's usually the amount of time I can stick to a habit before I either go off it or get bored or have some reason to stop doing it. One of the main ones I did was checklisting. 
So I literally have either a piece of paper or it'd be in my, my phone, the notes, and I would just write a checklist of all these random things I need to do. Uh, not, not random, they're super useful, like clean your teeth, have gum, deodorant, all of this stuff. And it would be like a checklist of like 10 things. Uh, that was the best thing ever. And everyone should do that if they can manage to stick to that. But I did that for like two weeks. Um, it worked out really well. I don't know why I stopped, but these these sort of things always happen to me where I wake up at 6 a.m. for two weeks and then I'm like, oh, fuck that, it's too early after two weeks. Um, but yeah, that's one of them, these checklists. I probably read a self-help book like Black Box Thinking or something like that. Black Box Thinking is about uh, the aviation world and how they use checklists for everything to to stop casualties and problems. The second thing is meditating i don't know if you've done much of this but before a show you set away like 10 minutes to just be in silence just thinking about the show you probably do it every show now i meditate just in general in life pre-show it's more like stay mindful i don't necessarily just meditate before a show but it's the whole process of getting ready is that mindfulness yeah so i tried that for probably two weeks as well and again it was a great habit and I should have kept it but then I moved on to something else Um, of course there's warming up that's an obvious thing you you have to warm up before your show especially if it's anything more than I don't know party scene or the court in Giselle or something like that or even rats or soldiers sometimes if you're dancing if your body needs to be like athletically prepared Uh, I tried going to the gym before every show Uh, and that doesn't always work sometimes it works if I have lots of energy but if I go hard in the gym and then do a show like obviously I can burn myself out and it's not a great not a great plan but I don't you go to the gym before shows I feel like I see you no no okay if I'm no depends on what I'm doing but no usually no Mm. okay I've got a few more I've got visualizing so it's where I go through the whole ballet in my head so I'll just sit down on a chair in my changing room, in my costume. It'll be like 20 minutes before the show. And I'll just think about every step before. And it'll take me all the way through from first act, second act, third act. I've tried that. And that's, that sometimes works, but has also freaked me out a bit sometimes. Because if you think too much about what you're doing, especially in like the minute things, then you're not really relying on your, your flow and your body just doing what it knows it should be doing. Uh, So I don't know if I recommend that one. Uh, So so far, okay, I'll say what I do and don't recommend. I recommend the checklist. They were really good. Uh, Silence and meditating, also very good. Warming up, of course. Uh, Stretching is actually, you don't always want to stretch. It depends what you're doing. Uh, Because some things, if you stretch a lot and you have, say, a male either male variation or it's a like a, a male group dance you know like a swan lake where we had to do the double tours like i've heard of it as soon as uh, the uh, thomas edgeus swan lake in estonia we had to do double tours straight away uh this kind of thing i don't know if i would stretch for because sometimes it would make me a bit loose in the body and then it's easier to fall off stretching after a show is probably the time to do it like after your big dancey dancey stuff when you're still really warm hit that stretch but before before you got to do all the dancey dancey study probably not a good idea but would you stretch during the show like if you know you've got a manage coming up i would always sit in splits just before the circle 
would you do that as well? Well, it depends on, depends on the show, but yeah, like with Swan Lake, um, mm -hmm. the beginning of fourth act, like after you've done your grandpa, all of the coda and everything's done, you're hanging out, listening to that beautiful music before the manage entrance, I would always do the splits there. Yeah. But like, but at that point, the show's basically over anyways. Right. I don't know if I would sit in splits if the manage was the first thing in my show, you know, I'd maybe make sure earlier that day I did the splits like after class, but I want to give the body time to kind of just be fresh, you know? Uh, and then I did journaling. So literally just writing my stuff down in a diary, probably did that for two weeks. Uh, that actually doesn't, it's not great because you, it's like everything else is more important than journaling. I think at that point. Journaling how, what do you mean? Like literally writing down what my thoughts are. Okay. Just before the show. Ah, it's kind of similar to meditating. Um, and checklisting. It's getting stuff out, having it in front of you. Warming up and checklists are probably more useful. Ah, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Some people might enjoy that. So journaling is also good. I prefer to do it like at the end of the day before I go to sleep or like once a month or just randomly whenever I feel stressed out journaling works for me uh but before shows I feel like there's other things that you could be doing which might be more useful and the last thing I tried I know this is a long list but the last thing I tried was reading a, a fiction book because it completely takes your head away from the like stress of the show this is also a debatable thing because maybe it's a good thing that your head is in the show you know maybe it's good that you're focusing on the work that you're about to do um yeah i tried that and i think that might depend on the person right so i worked with a guy here in canada for a long time named daniel he's a principal dancer here and he so he would do all the lead stuff right and i swear to god i've seen him playing some fucking angry birds or candy crush or something up until bum 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 bottom like up until his music he's just on his phone or on his tablet just like swiping playing some game and then he goes out there and murders it like just crushes his variation and then comes backstage and he's like hey whatever like so easy going and i would look and be like because that's why i'm because we were, we were kind of cast A, cast B, right? And so I'd be watching him like, how do you do that? Do so well. Like, is there something in there that I can learn from this? Is there wisdom in that? Because I'm back here, like, in my shows, I'm stressing. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm visualizing. I'm breathing. I'm, like, trying to do all my therapy as I, you know, in my head as much as I can. I'm, like, praying. And he's just chilling, like, making jokes. Like, and... <laughs> So like Nutcracker, uh, before act two happens, we'd all come to the stage. We try a little stuff backstage, right? Whoever it is. So you're doing Arabian, Russian, Chinese, like Spanish, like everybody and the leads, like everybody would come and try whatever stuff they wanted to try. And when it's me doing lead, I do a pirouette, I do a tour. I try something with my partner, we're good, we leave. I can even, I can feel the nerves are back in my body again, feel it. So I would do that, I'd be really like, you know, not walking carefully, but like I was pretty low key, right? And he would come out and he'd be like, okay guys, come on, pirouette competition. <laughs> and then he would do like, in class, 
This guy's doing like four, you know, three, four. In these pure competitions, he's doing six, seven. I'm like, again, how are you so good right now? Like, how are you so calm? And so different people is my point. I don't think that I would have been better if I played Angry Birds up until the moment where I had to go on stage for Black Swan. But, you know, different strokes for different folks, as they say. And so you just find what works for you. Was he, was he a lot older than you at that time? Exact same age. Really? Wow. Yeah. He's just mega chill. Like he's the most chill guy. He's yeah, so down to earth, incredibly humble. And like he and his partner um, were doing Sleeping Beauty leads this one season. And they were, you know, Daniel and his partner, Sonia, they were doing uh, Sleeping Beauty in like the other cast. So they were first cast, we were second cast. And we're, so in this, you know, the cast where we're not doing the leads, we're on stage because we did whatever, Bluebird or whatever, we're on stage anyways. And they come on stage and, you know, Sleeping Beauty, you come on stage for your pot of the, it's really regal, you know, it's quiet music, it's soft, it's beautiful, everything is so elegant. But Sonia had been sitting in the wings and she didn't realize that when she stood up and went on stage, she had accidentally sat on somebody's crown, some costume, and it was attached to her tutu at the bottom and because of that daniel can't really see it anyways because it's below her tutu hanging and he's where he is he can't see it and so all of us can see it everybody in the company on stage can see it and the audience can see it but the two people who need to see it can't see it and they and they do their thing and like you know the sleeping beauty part of she does her back bend flip penche and they do like the on a pirouette and as they're doing the on a pirouette the thing flies off to the side of the stage like it's still on stage but it's off to the side and then whatever whatever they're dancing everything's fine they dance it beautifully they leave when they leave after their potter is finished we hear them laughing like they're laughing backstage at this thing right if that had been me best case scenario i would have been like look it's fine you know i would have been fine i don't think i would have been like oh let's find the humor in this but they were just really really easygoing people and they didn't overinflate the importance of being perfect. And so they were like, eh, whoops. <laughs> I sat on something and they laughed about it. And then when the yeah. show was over and we all congregated, we all laughed about it. And the director made jokes. The whole thing was funny. So again, uh, different strokes for different folks. Um, mm. Me and my partner, both me and Taylor were like, okay, let's learn something from this. <laughs> we can be more easygoing about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good memories. Good memories. So I hear basically the through line for you is that you've tried all these different things. None of them have particularly stuck, but you see there's like a lot of value in all these things. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you, you handle it differently when you're doing a lead role or when you're doing something in the core? Uh, yes, yeah. I feel a lot more responsibility when doing a lead role. So I'm like um, much more likely to stick to what I need to do. So I'm much more likely to yeah. tell everyone like I need to be in silence now i need to meditate now i need to do these checklists and everything's just a lot more important uh whereas i'm much more likely when doing something in the core to not need to be journaling visualizing all of this stuff i mean i still do the usually i still do the warming up and the stretching but yeah it's just the scale is completely different you had the same thing yeah yeah i hear that fair yeah um, so I think the I do, and I think that another way of looking at it, another framing here is 
when I'm doing something that scares me or when I'm doing something that doesn't scare me. Because the thing, and we can come back to this maybe in a later episode, but doing soloist work isn't the only scary work. Like if you're an apprentice and you're going on stage and you're in the front in the core, that's probably the scariest thing you've ever done. Right? Maybe even scarier than if you did a soloist part when you were in school, because now it really matters. It's the real thing. You've got a paying audience, right? But when you've been doing core work for a few years and then you do a soloist part, and then you look back at doing core work, it no longer is as scary because you've done something mm. more difficult, right? Like it's just, yeah. it fits into the range of what you've done. Mm. Um, I think this is, this is my theory about it. This is what it yeah. felt like for me. Um, but so I can talk a little bit about more, you, you kind of went into more specifics about your ritual before a show, so I can talk about those too. Okay, so I've got one more. It's, it's not a ritual ritual. It's more of a curse, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can elaborate on that. So this only happened when I went to Estonia, but this thing started to happen where the night before my premiere, my blender would break. And so so it's so specific and it's so random, but like I'm a big smoothie guy and you, your friend Ben knows this because he used to think I was just drinking milk all the time because I would, I would make myself like a liter of smoothie and bring it to work every day because a smoothie is a great way to keep energized and be healthy throughout the whole day, right? Because you've got a rehearsal day, you don't necessarily want to stop and have a meal. Uh, <laughs> sound like a salesman. <laughs> yeah, big smoothie. Uh, I would pour my smoothie into whatever container I had available. So very often, like I'd finish my liter of milk or my liter of juice or whatever, and then I would just pour the smoothie in that and I would drink that. And then when I was finished, toss it in the recycling. Bob's your uncle. But so this is kind of a side story, but Ben, I think, you know, the end of him right, right before he left Estonia, he asked me at a party. He's like, Hey man, why do you drink milk all the time at work? I was like, what? I never drink milk. You think I'm just crushing a fucking milk in between variation and coda. And you've thought this for like two years. Does everybody think this? So to this day, I don't know if everybody thinks that, but it was just a smoothie, which is, you know, healthy and balanced and whatever. Um, but so, you know, if I've got a premiere the next day, I want to do everything I can today and tonight to prepare myself so I have less to do tomorrow, right? So you don't have to interrupt your sleep or add extra things to think about. And so I would always make my smoothie the night before. And I swear to God, four times it happened where the night as I'm preparing my smoothie the blender fucking breaks or it shatters or all of a sudden it explodes. And I'm just looking at the floor or the counter or whatever, just covered in smoothie. And the first time it happened, I was like, Oh shit. Oh my God. Oh my God. What am I going to do? I was a little freaked out. The second time I was angry. I was like, WTF. Why is this happening again? The third time I was like, okay, obviously someone's talking to me right now. I, I don't know what this means, but I get that you're that there's a message here. And the fourth time I was like, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for <laughs> thanks for being here. Because um, it truly, like it, it doesn't make sense. And I'll be honest, like I do a smoothie like everybody else. I'm not putting in fucking rubber shoes in there, I'm not doing anything weird. Why was it that it was always like literally as I was preparing for a premiere? <laughs> I don't know. 
but something tells me it was just like a, a weird karmic thing. I don't know. Um, but so that's kind of, I don't want to call it a ritual. I don't want to be, give it the, the honor of me calling it a ritual because I don't want it to keep happening. Uh, and it, I think the last time it happened was last season. So like it happened like less than a year ago. It was the last time. And yeah, it was the premiere with uh, the Swan Lake when I came back to the stage with Swan Lake and it happened again. And I, but at that point I was like, hey, I got you. Don't worry about it. I'll buy a smoothie. I don't need it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, so weird. It's like, it's, it's so wild to feel like the universe is like actively responding to me. Like, like I'm making a smoothie. I'm like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Oh my God, it fucking happened. How, did, uh, how crazy is that? <laughs> um, <clears throat> what, I ended, what I ended up doing for the blender is the last time I went and, cause I'd, I'd go and buy a new blender like every time, right? The last time I went and bought one, I took my friend, Laura, who every time my blender broke, she would let me borrow hers. She had like an extra one, right? And so shout out to Laura and Anna for letting me borrow their blender like all the time. Uh, but because she had such good juju, as I think that's what people say, like good juju, like, like good vibes, good, good vibes. She had like good blender vibes. I took her and I was like, you go pick the blender. I don't even want to look at it. Like, don't worry about price. Just follow your heart. Because whenever I pick a blender, my fucker breaks on me when I really need him to work. So this one's on you. And I can tell you that one didn't break. And so far I've had, you know, knock on wood, I've had really good blender luck ever since. So. Okay. Um, I, I guess it's time to finish then. So shall we? Well, yeah, just bring us home, Adam. Thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of Two Two Guys. We always appreciate your feedback. We love the comments and we're hoping that you're, and it seems like, seems like you're enjoying our meme account. So as always, any suggestions, send it to us at uh, two, two guys at gmail pod. <laughs> send it to us at two, two guys pod at gmail.com. And if anybody has any curses that they feel like they're living with, you know, anything like the, the blender breaking every day or every premiere, if anybody's got any stories like that, I would love to hear it. And if anybody has any superstitions, I'd love to hear that too. But only if they work, though. Let's, let's put that as a caveat. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Adam, great to see your face. <laughs> I'll see you next week, Adam. Yeah, see you next week. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.